y'all? I'm your host, Janine, and welcome to another episode of Mass Murder Talk. First off, I have to apologize again. I said that I was going to be more consistent and ended up getting really sick. I ended up getting a really bad sinus infection, which took for about a month for me to recover from. Then I tried to put an episode out last week and something happened with the audio. So, ugh, but... I made a promise to myself that I was going to put an episode out this week, so that's what I'm doing. So, I have to admit, y'all, I'm a little hesitant about doing this episode, but I'm going to push through. This one is very personal and emotional for me for several reasons. As everyone knows, I'm from Dayton, Ohio, and this episode is about a mass murder that took place right in downtown Dayton. Not only was there a mass shooting in my city on August 4th, 2019, but that was the last day that I would talk to my mother ever. I'll get into that a little later in the episode. And no, she was not harmed in the shooting. Thank goodness. So with all that being said, let's start the episode. This episode is about Connor Betts. Connor Betts shot and killed nine people, including his sister and wounded 17 others. It happened at a bar near the entrance of Ned Peppers in the Oregon District in Dayton, Ohio. The Oregon District is a a little area in downtown Dayton. It's like its own entity. There are several kinds of little shops where you can get anything from palm readings to crystals. You could go to Goodwill or you can go to church. If you're familiar with the area, if you know, you know. There are also several bars there. So basically, it's a little something for everyone. It's a really nice chill area. So just the fact that this happened there, it threw the city of Dayton for a loop. So let's do a little background on Connor. Connor Betts attended Bellbrook High School in Bellbrook, Ohio, which is in Greene County. And that's located in the Midwestern part of Ohio. It's about 20 minutes from Dayton, which is where the shooting occurred. They have a population of about 7,500 people, so it's a pretty small town. And one thing I could not find was if Connor actually graduated. I don't know if they kept that stuff under wraps because they just didn't want the issues or if he was a minor, so I'm really not sure. As I was doing my research, I noticed that as soon as his former classmates found out that it was Connor, I mean, they just went in on him. They did not hesitate to tell all. They said things like he was kind of dark and weird. He really didn't have many friends and that a lot of the time he seemed to be depressed. Sometime during high school, between being a freshman and a sophomore, he created a hit list. So best former classmates said that on his hit list was people he wanted to either kill or rape. Former students say that they were told by school officials if they were on the list. A counselor at Bellbrook High School told a former student that he and his sister were on the list. The former student went on to say that nine years prior, he was sitting on the school bus and Betts was getting escorted away by officers. The officers were doing an investigation that Betts had made. He had made threats, but nobody knew what the threats were. They didn't know if if he had made threats against the school, against students, nobody knew. And that same classmate who was a freshman at the time when the counselor had told him about the hit list 
said that he had no idea what had prompted Betts, who at the time was a sophomore in high school, to put him and his sister on the list. A former female classmate of Betts said that only a few months later, into her sophomore year at Bellbrook, she uh, she started getting disturbing text messages from a freshman named Connor Betts. I don't think she knew him that well at the time, if she even knew him at all. Betts texted her stuff like that she was on, he was, she was on his rape list and described in detail what he wanted to do to her, even sending her a list of his proposed victims to prove that she wasn't the only one. And I guess Connor continued to text her because she said eventually she had had enough and went to the police about the messages. So I don't know if anything was ever done about the messages. I couldn't find anything. She went on to say that she was not surprised to hear Connor's name on the news. She continued to say that she predicted he would have done this 10 years prior. More of Bet's former classmates told CNN that they recalled him being removed from the school for at least a year, but they weren't sure why and that he returned to Bellbrook later. Another former classmate of Bet's said that they had called the police to let them know that Bet's had a kill list. I could not find if the police did anything about it. The former classmate also showed his friend text messages that she had received from Betts and let him know that his relatives were on the list. They determined that they needed to go to the police because they didn't want anybody to get hurt. The classmate said that this happened about 10 years ago when he was a sophomore in high school. He also said the police took his friend's phone as part of the investigation. So the classmate actually confronted Connor on the phone and asked him about the hit list. And he told him, he said, I know that some of my family members are on this list. And he asked Betts, he said, what is this about? And why did you write these things? And the classmate said Connor was really trying to avoid the questions. He wasn't mad about it. He was just more shocked that somebody actually confronted him. The next day at school, he witnessed Connor being detained by the police. Bellbrook, again, would not give any information about the subject. I'm guessing because Connor was a minor. He was in a porno grind band, which is something that I'm not fucking familiar with. The band was seemingly extremely graphic with violent lyrics. After the shooting, authorities had searched his home and found some writings that expressed an interest in killing people. But surprisingly, the writings didn't indicate anything racial or any type of political motives. Okay, so as we can see, Lou clearly had some problems for a minute. He's been messed up for a while. So here's my thing. Nobody thought to tell his fucking parents. Or maybe his parents knew he had issues and just hoped it would go away. Maybe they were afraid of him. I mean, as much as he got in trouble in school, his parents had to have known something. Also, as a school counselor, shouldn't that be the first thing you do is notify the parents or even have him removed from the school until he got some type of mental health counseling? The kids at school knew about his hit list, told the police, and still nothing was done. So I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry, but how in the fuck did he get away with this shit for so long in high school? 
I mean, I can't help but think that if something more substantial was done while he was in high school, the mass shooting may never have happened. Again, his parents had to have known that there was something not right with their fucking kid. As a parent, you know when something is not right with your child. So we know now that he had some mental things going on in high school, which just kind of festered over time into his adult life. Once again, that's the scary part. You just never know what somebody is thinking. But in this case, we kind of do because he had a hit list. So let's forward to the night of the shooting. About two hours before the shooting, Connor was seen entering a bar in the Oregon district with his sister and a friend. You know, they're just chilling, listening to the music, maybe having a couple of drinks like most people do in a bar. Nothing out of the ordinary. So around 12:13, he split from his sister and the friend and was seen leaving the bar. At 1.05 in the morning, witnesses reported a man opened fire at the entrance of Ned Pepper's, a very popular bar. And it's usually very crowded and it's in the Oregon district. I've been there and that place gets really packed really quick. I mean, it gets so crowded that you can hardly move around in there. The eyewitnesses said that he was armed with the 223 caliber high capacity rifle with the 100 round drum magazines. Betts fired 41 shots in less than 30 seconds, fatally shooting nine people, including his sister, and wounding 17 others. Ten people were injured by other causes, which brought the total number of injured to 27. I'm guessing that the other 10 that were injured were probably people trying to get the fuck out the way, trying to duck, trying to run. There's no telling what happened to those people. Who knows? Maybe some people even got grazed. The Dayton police chief said that 20 seconds after Betts started shooting, law enforcement was already on the scene and engaging with Betts. Within 32 seconds of the first shots being fired, Betts was shot dead. According to the autopsy that was released sometime later, Betts was hit with 30 rounds. I have to give a shout out for Dayton PD for their quick response. I mean, they usually hang around that area anyway, but... It's it's amazing how fast they got there. And if it wasn't for them, who knows? There could have been more casualties or injuries. So as we know, there were multiple deaths and several injuries. Several people that were injured went to Miami Valley Hospital in Dayton, which is thankfully just a few short minutes from the Oregon District. The hospital received 16 victims from the shooting. Five were admitted with one in critical condition. Around 10 o'clock that same day, 15 of the 27 people had been discharged. Out of the nine dead, there were six men and three women. Four of the dead were in their 20s, four more were in their 30s, and one was 57. Every time I think back to this day, I still can't believe this shit happened. It is unbelievable. It's amazing. But here's the crazy part. Two of the victims that died were also shot by the police. The one autopsy showed that she had already been shot by Betts. It was bleeding from a fatal gunshot wound when she was struck by two more bullets fired by the police. Then there was a second victim that was shot by Betts multiple times and sustained a superficial gunshot wound from the police, but the coroner ruled that the deaths were caused by Betts and not the result of police gunfire. So... That was a good thing. 
So for me, here's where shit gets real. And we're going to go off story a little bit, but not really. So on this particular night, my husband and I decided to have a date night. I had talked to my mom on the phone before all hell had broke loose. And I had told her that we were going out. We just didn't know where we were going to go. So I hang up the phone with my mom and we go on about our night. So we ended up just doing the traditional dinner in a movie thing. And obviously when you're in the movie theater, the right thing to do is to turn your phone off. So we're leaving the movie theater and I turn my phone on and there's a message on there from my mother saying to call her right away because she has seen the shooting on the news and she wanted to know we were okay. So remember, she knew we were going out, but she just didn't know where. So I call her back and, you know, she's got that mom voice, that voice that's like, oh, thank God you're okay. I'm so happy. And she explained to me what happened and why she was spazzing out. And I was in pure shock because I hadn't heard anything about it. We were in the movies at the time. I assured her that we were okay. We exchanged our love yous and I told her that we were on our way home. So around 2.30 in the morning, I got a phone call from the hospital saying that my mom was there and that I needed to get there ASAP. So I woke my husband up and rushed to the hospital. And for me, it, I mean, it was just the most devastating news I could ever get in my entire life. They said that my mother had had a heart attack and she didn't make it. I mean, y'all, I don't even have words for the emotions in that moment. It's just a lot of it is a blank, honestly. So the night of the shooting was the last time that I had ever talked to my mother. And all she was concerned about was knowing that her only daughter was safe. So now it's out there and everyone understands why I wasn't too keen on doing this episode, but I couldn't ignore it. It was just too important. So let's get back to bets. After the shooting, the FBI did an investigation and all kinds of shit came out. They found out that Betts had an obsession with violence and mass shootings, and he had even expressed a desire to commit a mass shooting. He also fantasized about serial killings and murder-suicide for at least a decade. On August 15, 2019, the coroner announced that Betts had cocaine, alcohol, and Xanax in his system. He also had a bait pen and a baggie containing cocaine in one of his pockets. On the day before the shooting, he had posted a couple of tweets on Twitter alluding to the violence that he was about to create. A few of his former classmates told CNN that Betts and his sister were comfortable around guns and they liked to teach people to shoot safely, which is kind of weird considering that that's all he cared about was, you know, death and destruction and mass shootings and serial killings and all this. It's, it's kind of ironic. But, and they said that him and his sister, they liked shooting and they would go shooting. And, but Connor had a weird interest in how guns worked. A female classmate said that some of the names on the hit list were female students who, like her, turned him down for dates. She said that Betts would simulate killing other students and threatened to kill himself. So I know firsthand after all this happened, the city fell apart. The Oregon district was shut down for 
almost a year. It might have been over a year. I'm not really sure, but it was shut down for a while. And as everyone knows, Dave Chappelle is from Ohio and he hosted a free concert for Dayton and the victims uh, three weeks after the shooting. And I haven't done this in a long time, but I feel like since this was such a tragedy and it happened in my city, not to mention I lost my mother that night, I'm going to read the names of the people who lost their lives. Beatrice Warren Curtis, Derek R. Fudge, Lois Oglesby, Megan Betts, Thomas McNichols, Monica Brickhouse, Nicholas Coomer, Logan Turner, Saeed Salah, and I'm so sorry if I mispronounced anybody's name. Shortly after the shooting, there was a vigil for the people that were killed in the shooting. So, yeah, I mean, that was a lot to deal with, especially for me and, of course, the families who it affected. So, what do y'all think? Do you think the police or his parents or the school could have done more? Do you think he could have even have been helped? Do you think he shot his sister on purpose? That's a question that has been swirling around in my mind. I wonder, I mean, do you think she was on the hit list? I'm really, really curious about that. I will say, the research that I did said that she and Connor were not that close and that she really didn't talk about him all that much. So, oh my God, I have so many fucking questions. My personal opinion again, I am not a psychologist, a psychiatrist, mental health counselor, none of that. I personally think that night he was just too far gone. He had already made up his mind and he was going to do what he was going to do. I have to admit, I really do feel sorry for his parents. They lost both of their kids that night. So my heart really does go out to them. And I'm dedicating this episode to the victims of the 2019 Oregon District shooting, as well as my mother. Rest in paradise, Janet Derrick. I love you. This is not goodbye. This is until I see you again. So I want to thank y'all for listening. And please go to Anchor and leave me some feedback about my podcast. Like anything you would like me to change or do differently. Should I have a co-host more often or should I just have a co-host? Give me your opinion. With that, I will talk to y'all in the next episode. Deuces.